So Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 105, which we read, gives us kind of this really broad overview of some of the story that was taking place. And it doesn't exactly tell us the timeline, but uh, it was probably more than 400 years from the time that the Israelites came into Egypt because of the famine that they were suffering. So they came into Egypt searching for food and for protection and for rescue. Probably 400 years from that time until the time that the Israelites were now fleeing Egypt once again seeking, but this time seeking rescue from the slavery that they'd suffered. We know, as we looked at last week, that God had this interaction, this conversation with Moses. He met Moses at a burning bush, and after a bit of negotiation, we didn't read that part of the passage, but after some back and forth between God and Moses, eventually, Moses cho chose to join God and return to Egypt in rescuing their people, rescuing God's people, rescuing His people, rescuing the Israelites, and leading them to the promised land, the land that, if you remember, Psalm 5 said several, or Psalm 105 said several times, had been promised to Abraham. So generations before, this land had been promised to them, and Moses was going to lead them in that direction. The Israelites were going on a journey, a journey from Egypt to Canaan, a journey from slavery to paradise to the promised land. A journey from tortured oppression to a land flowing with milk and honey. I like to travel. I like trips. Many of you do. Obviously, well, I say obviously, many of us have done less of that during this time. But imagine what happens when we start a trip. As we begin to plan and prepare for that, most often or very often, or at least in my household, We'll pull out the Maps app on our phone, 
or we'll open up Google Maps on a phone or on our computer, or maybe we'll pull out a GPS device. I thought about saying that, and I wasn't sure if some of our young people even know what that is anymore. And we plot in where it is that we're going, and we look for the best route in order to get from where we are to where we want to go. And we live in such an age that we even get to choose what is best. My devices often ask me when I'm looking for best, do I want the fastest? Do I want the shortest? Do I want the one that dodges certain things like tolls? It still asks about dirt roads, which is always a little funny around here. But we get to choose which way is the best way. We're often looking for the most direct route. How do we get from where we are to where we want to go as quickly or as easily as possible? In light of that, I think it's really fascinating what Exodus 13 tells us about the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the promised land. In verse 18, it says this, it says, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And I wonder why would God do such a thing? It seems a little bit mind-boggling that they wouldn't get the opportunity to take the most direct route. I mean, with God on their team, surely there was some kind of shortcut God even knew about that they should be able to take, some way to bypass all that was going on. In some ways, as we look at this or we read it, we may wonder if it, if it means that, that God is a little bit mean. If we're willing, if we even look at it and ask questions of God, why wouldn't you just hurry up and get them there? Show them the fastest way, get them to what they prayed for and asked for and waited for, what was promised long ago. And yet we've been told that they're on a journey. At Valley, we often talk about this process of discipleship as a journey. We say around Valley often, hopefully you know this because you've heard it many times, that we exist to make disciples. And then we would define discipleship, the practice of making disciples as a journey that every person's on from knowing nothing about God through, so not just to, but through becoming a faithful follower of Christ. Recognizing that this journey that we're on isn't so much about getting to a place or a certain destination as much as it's an ongoing journey with Jesus, an ongoing journey towards you and I becoming more and more like Jesus all the time. And as we know, this journey, our faith, can be frustrating. Because as Americans, as Westerners, maybe just as people in general, we really, really long for this thing to be efficient. We want faith to be efficient. We want so badly to arrive, to have accomplished it, to have gotten there. So sometimes we even paint the idea that the, the journey of faith is about salvation. It's about simply making a statement of faith. And then once we've done that, we're done. It's all accomplished. There's nothing more to think about. And yet the scriptures, as they talk about a journey and they talk about following Jesus, seems like it continues to talk about more than that. So when we even think about more or talk about more, we want to arrive at this place of, of fully exhibiting Christ's likeness as quickly and as easy, easily as possible. We want to arrive at a place where we experience what it's like to be perfectly at peace no matter what's going on around us. 
We want to get to the place where we no longer struggle with temptations towards sin or doing things that are less than God would have for us, right? Yes, there was one or two head bobs, and I think they were awake head bobs, so I'm going to take them as yeses. We really want to arrive and get this thing finished. I think most of us, if we're willing to confess what is true, we really want following Jesus to be easy. We want to get to the resolution of it. We want it all to be solved and figured out. We want it to be finished. And yet that's not the way in which this journey works. And most of us will look at our own faith life and our pursuit of Jesus. And again, if we're willing to be honest, would confess that we are abundantly clear of the reality that we still have not arrived at finished. And that's because our journey also, our journey of faith, our journey of discipleship means that we too go this roundabout way from where we've started towards this place of becoming more and more like Jesus. And I think it's important for us to recognize that this truth, that this roundabout way wasn't about God being mean to the Israelites. It's not about God somehow being mean to us. It's not about making it more frustrating or more complicated. It's not really about making our faith more difficult, even though we may sometimes feel that way or say those kinds of things. But in fact, this roundabout way is one of the best ways for God to show God's people how much God loves us. Now, we may not always agree, so let me explain why this roundabout way, why the most direct path, why the shortcut is not more loving than this roundabout path that we take. In Exodus 13, verse 17, it says this, it says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God was aware that the shortest route included with it difficulties and pains that the Israelites weren't prepared for difficulties that they could not handle. It's quite possible that as they were on this journey, as they were moving forward, that they couldn't understand why is it that God is choosing to take us this way? Why is it that we're going this direction? I imagine somebody who's uh, pretty well directionally oriented going, I know we've passed that rock three times now. What's happening? Where are we going? What is it that God is trying to do? Where is it that God is trying to take us? And there's, it's, Certainly, if they're anything like us, there was a wondering why God was taking them this way. And yet the entire time we find out as we read this passage that it was because God was considering them. God was protecting and providing for them by taking them the longer route. Even though it may have seemed more difficult for them, the reality is that this entire roundabout way was designed for their benefit. God was loving them, whether they recognized it or not. Ruth Haley Barton says in her book, even though they might have preferred a more direct route to their dream, it was actually a great kindness that God prevented them from encountering more than they were ready to handle. 
sometimes in our life and in our own faith journey, we take the roundabout way because God is aware before we are that there are things that we wouldn't be able to handle on the most direct path. That there are things that we aren't yet prepared for, things that we aren't yet ready for. So God does the kindness of taking us the long way so that we can bypass some of those hardships and difficulties. But as the story goes on, we find that that's not the only way that God is protecting and providing and showing them love. As they went on this roundabout way, they traveled through the desert, and the desert is a really fascinating place. A place that's really, really hot in the daytime and somehow gets really, really cold at night. Even if the temperatures don't say that it's necessarily really, really cold, the swings in temperature that can happen in one day, sometimes 40 or 50 degrees in one day, make an evening feel cold, whether it is or not. I remember that from when I was living in Phoenix, that sometimes in the evenings, evenings we would call warm, 60, 70 degrees, so nice, pleasant, exactly what we'd hoped for. I had to put on a warm sweater Because the switch from being 110 during the day to being 60 or 70 degrees at night made my body feel cold, whether it was actually cold or not. So the story in Exodus tells us that as God was walking with them on this roundabout way through the desert, through the journey, that God was continuing to provide and protect them. So in verse 21, it says, the Lord went ahead of them, not ran away ahead of them, but guided them, was in front of them. The Lord was ahead of them, the first person in line. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. So how did it allow for them to travel? Do you recognize that? The cloud protected them from the heat of the sun during the day. The fire protected them from the cool of the evening at night. God designing a way to protect and provide for them that was loving, that was caring, that was kind, that was ready to protect them in whatever was coming their way. God was loving them by providing exactly what they needed. And even more importantly than just giving them what they needed, than just protecting and providing for them, God was loving them by going with them. God was with them in this journey. This opportunity to be in the presence of God was the most loving thing that God was able to do. This roundabout way protected them and provided them, but it allowed God to be with them. God loves being in the presence of his people. And more than anything, this is the way in which God was able to show his love to them. We keep talking about that. It keeps surfacing. Hopefully you're catching that string, that thread that's been running through the last several weeks of our conversation. This idea of God's desire to be in relationship with us. We've talked about the idea of creating space, space for silence and for solitude so that we can be in the presence of God who desires to be in our presence. And what we sometimes don't recognize is that this journey, this roundabout way, this progression that's got us always moving forward towards following Jesus and looking more and more like Christ, more than anything, creates for us the opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus which is what Jesus longs for more than anything. 
Jesus longs to be in the presence of his people. God wants to dwell with us. So this journey of faith, this idea of coming to know and follow after Jesus, for God, it's not so much about us reaching a destination or a location or a place or having finally arrived at something. Instead, it's about God's desire to move forward with us. And as we go, the Holy Spirit is making something new of us. Barton, in her book, says, God is not in any particular hurry to get us to the promised land. He's much more concerned about the transforming work he is doing in us to prepare us for greater responsibilities of freedom living. As we take the roundabout way, it gives the Holy Spirit time and space and relational opportunities to recreate you and me into the image of Christ. As we go through the ups and downs and the joys and trials and the struggles and the celebrations that are life, each of them, the highs and the lows, give Jesus the opportunity to strengthen our soul, to make of us what he dreams of us, what he's called us to be. I think often as we wilderness, as we think about desert, as we think about wilderness space in general, never do we get glowing thoughts about what that means. We tend to think about it as a place of struggle, a place of difficulty, even a place of desperation. But the scriptures don't usually paint the wilderness in that way. The scriptures instead usually talk about the wilderness as a place of formation. Yes, as a place that isn't always easy, where the work of God is not always clear, where it's not always clear what it is that God is doing or why. Yes, it's a place that can be lonely, a place that requires of us longing and seasons of want. But it's in these spaces, these spaces that can be difficult and painful, but these spaces of wilderness that God does some of the most incredible work of shaping and forming us. So the scriptures don't usually talk about wilderness only as a place of longing or hurt or desperation, but as a place of being formed and transformed, a place where the work of new creation can take place because God is always with us in the wilderness. God is working to show God's deep love for his people. And we see that in the story and we see that in our own lives and our own journey. So we take this roundabout way that the passage talks about because in it, we get to experience the love of God. The love of God as God provides for us and protects for us. The love of God as God takes the opportunity as we have the opportunity to be in the presence of God, to be together. And because this roundabout way creates for us space for transformation. None of it is about burdening us or making things more difficult for us. All of, us. all of it is about God's desire to communicate the deep love that God has for us. For God to continue God's work of recreation. And for God to continue the work of his desire that we would come alongside God as partners in this journey. That we would join God in what God is doing. There's still a little bit of a hum in there, isn't there? This season of COVID 
has surely seemed like a roundabout way for most of us. Full of some pains and some burdens, some complications, some difficulties. For most of us, in some way or another, it's frustrated some of our family routines. It's altered our work routines. Sure, sometimes in good ways, but also usually in some bad ways. It's brought upon it some societal changes and pains that have been difficult. This time, this season, these months have been hard for many of us. Maybe in totally different ways. But we can recognize the pain and the struggle. In the same way as we look at the story of Exodus chapter 13, to recognize that the desert was hard for the Israelites. Walking through the desert, this roundabout way, this journey through the wilderness, that was not on their wish list with being rescued from slavery. As they were crying out to God for all those years that they would be rescued, they didn't also say, and allow us to wander around in the wilderness for a while. In fact, several times in that wilderness, they considered going back. They wondered if slavery wasn't better than what they were walking through. But once again, as we look to Barton's book, she points out that the roundabout way may not be the most direct route, but it represents a wonderful era in the spiritual life when God shows up in very tangible ways that assure us of his presence on the journey. As we continue in this pandemic, and it brings lots of questions and frustrations and difficulties, I want to say to you that I believe that it is absolutely possible that the same could be true for us in this season. That if you and I are willing to welcome, to receive the provision and the presence of God, to welcome and receive the work the Holy Spirit wants to do in us to bring strength to our souls, that it's quite possible that we could all look back on this time that the church, that individuals who make up the church, that valley, that those of us who are valley could look back on this time and this season and recognize that it has been one of the most wonderful eras in our faith journey. But the truth is that that doesn't happen by accident. And it definitely doesn't happen if we fight every step of the way. So what would it require of you and of me to receive what God is trying to do in this season? Not because somehow God has caused this. Please don't hear me saying that today but because we're reminded throughout the scriptures that God has the ability to redeem the most horrible of disasters. So in what ways is God working to redeem or bring recreation in us? To use this season, this devastating season, to push us further forward in our journey towards becoming more and more like Jesus. Pray with me, would you?
Lord Jesus, prayers as we come before you. God, at this point, it is hard for us to give any kind of thanks for what's happening right now. Hard for us to say thank you for this time of struggle, of suffering, of difficulty. But God, it is my prayer that as your people and as your church that we would be willing to surrender to you to give ourselves over to you so that on the other side of this, we can look back and recognize what you've done. On the other side of this, we will be able to look back and recognize the incredible ways that you are working and bringing redemption. And God, I do ask that on the journey, on this roundabout way through the difficulties of life, that you would show us your face as clearly as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. May we recognize that you are present even in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.